Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of A Battle of the Atom. This is the weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every X-Men story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I am Zach and Adam. Yeah. Welcome to another week. Yeah, this is, uh, what are we on now? Episode four, I think. Yeah, episode four. We've we've only done this four times or three other times. We're real new. <laughs> And we're real nervous because we have our first guest, apparently, based on that timeline. Uh, you may know him from the internet and X-Man Twitter. It is Trent Seeley. Trent, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you guys? Hi, Trent. Hi. So welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. I, I'm actually really excited to talk about all of these mini stories today. Yeah, we got a lot to cover today. And do you know, do you know why we have a lot to cover, Adam? I'm assuming that it's Trent's fault. Is that right? It is. So Trent is one of our Trent is one of our fine supporters on the patreon.com and he went over, tossed in a couple of bucks and he got to select a story for this episode and since we know him, we decided, "Hey, why don't, why don't we have him on? He's our friend. We can we can do that. It's our podcast. We can have what we want." That's exactly right. And uh, it's it's an interesting challenge because we've got a lot of little mini stories this week. Um, so this is pretty cool. Oh, no. It's X-Man update. That sound can only mean one thing. It's an X-Man update. What is it, Zach? So we all know that I've been cursed, correct? That's that's uh, been established. Yeah, I think I think the curse has been uh, covered in several episodes previous. So because of that curse, I went back and started reading more X-Men. I am now from numbers 26 into the early 40s, and X-Men is very boring now because he stopped doing X-Men, like, 90s continuity stuff. Oh. And he's, he was in a band for a little bit. That, uh. he's, <laughs> he's been being very dumb. It's he, like... He did wear an oh, MC5 he, belt buckle, right? And a Pixies baby tight muscle shirt. <laughs> Yeah, look, 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 yeah. look. Nick Gray does not listen to the Pixies. The only Pixie <laughs> songs he knows is Where Is My Mind? And that's because it plays at the end of Fight Club. That's the only thing that he knows. Oh, man. Wait, wait, what? Uh, I am here to interrupt your X-Man update with a new X-Man update, Zach. Uh <laughs> I know this has not happened yet, but uh, I have my own X-Man update that may or may not involve curses. Uh, Trent, Trent, this is new ground. Are you are you excited to be here for this momentous occasion? <laughs> I'm soaking in every second of this. <laughs> well, good. Adam, so, please, please give your X-Man update. Uh, so, guys, I don't know if you saw this, but a certain illustration made its way onto the Twitterverse today. And if you're listening to this, this came out a couple of weeks ago. But apparently the dialogue on this page says that after disassembled, the age of X-Man commences. And there is a picture of the planet Earth with the nations in the shape of an X 
and the image of Jesus X Man, <laughs> as we uh, we talked about in one of our previous episodes, looking out very ghostly over the planet. So we're approaching, ladies and gentlemen, the age of X Man. What is going on, Zach? This is your fault, right? There's a lot of talk about people blaming me for this. <laughs> I feel like I feel like these Eldric tomes that I have, these three large collections were not meant to be opened. Man was not meant to know what happens in X-Man. That's why Marvel's never reprinted those things. Oh man. But alas, it's it's out there. We're going to be living in the age of X-Man and this is both terrifying and exciting. But I for one welcome our new uh mesh shirt overlords. Yeah, our new uh Pixies baby shirt dressed up like Jesus Overlord. This could be interesting. There there really is a Jesus vibe going on. I like oh. Yeah, it, it comes across. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the uh, the first cover that uh, had popped up, but this is this is a whole nother level, people. Whenever anybody gets their own age, this is uh, this is crazy. All right. So is that the end of our X-Man update, Zach? I don't I don't think I have more to add. Oh, my God. If this there was, was... A, another interruption, we, we could be in for some real trouble. X-Man is joining the podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I may find someone to cosplay X-Man at one of these points and jump <laughs> him in here secretly. I don't know. I don't think we can do a vocal cosplay oh for a God. character who only exists in written word and drawn pictures of shirtless boys. But boy, it would be interesting. We should get to uh we should get to the actual episode though that Trent is so kind to being here for. Yeah, so uh, Trent, what are we starting off with here? What is your request? Uh, well, the book that I actually requested is X-Men to Serve and Protect. And ah, it is an anthology. Yeah, hold on. Before we go into what's in this anthology, why did you select an anthology? Because this is a four-issue thing that happens right after Second Coming. Hmm. Uh, well... To be honest, I've been on like a Utopia era kick lately. So ah. uh, I wrote, I, I went through uh, Messiah Complex, obviously, Second Coming, Messiah Wars, uh, basically the entire X Force run, and then into the Matt Fraction run. And I happened to pick up this trade on a whim in a discount bin for $10 at my local comic book store. Mm -hmm. And as one does, it kind of blew me away maybe it was just because it was a ten dollar purchase but it kind of expanded my view of that setting and it made san francisco feel like more of a place to me so mm -hmm. uh, it was something that i just found really interesting so obviously i started harassing zach over twitter about it <laughs> <laughs> which happens a lot people it's very mean that's okay. That's what you're there for, Zach. That and to cause uh, X-Man ages. Something something like that. Now, uh, the the lead story in these four issues is written by Chris Yost with pencils by uh, Derek Donovan. It's called X-Dudes. It's about Rock Slide and Annalee teaming up to fight Mr. Negative of the Serpent Society, and it's pretty fun. Oh, it's fun, real fun. I like it a bunch. Yeah, I, I, I would say that Rock Slide is probably my favorite character in this entire trade. <laughs> Mm. He and Anale are both delightful, but there's a ton of other content here. Should we go through what the other stories are? We should. So in this, and we're just going to work, guys, we are going to machine gun Kelly this. 
Uh, we've got Creature Comforts, which is an Emma Frost and Mandrill story by James Asmus and John Vernon. We have Present Tense, which is Cypher versus Hydra, written by Brian Reed and pencils by an early Pepe Larraz. We have the Fracas in Central Park West, or French Filching Most Foul, or I Claim the Diamond in the Name of France, which is a Phantom X versus, uh, is it Batrock? Batrock Zalipa? The Leaper. Yeah, the Leaper. <laughs> he leaps. Uh, and it's written by Joshua Hale uh Fialkov? Fialkov? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And yeah. uh, penciled by James Heron. We got Gold Guns Girls by Ray Fox and Ron Chan. That is a Stefford Cuckoo's Bus Spider-Man versus Bank Robbers story. There's Shells, which is Colossus and Iron Man, written by Stuart Moore and penciled by Gary Brown. There's Judgment, which is an X-23 and Ghost Rider story written by Cy Spurrier and penciled by David LaFuente. We got Storefront, written by uh, Mark Guggenheim and pencils by Eric Coda, and that's a Storm and Thor story. Invisible, uh, which is Kitty and the Fantastic Four, written by uh, Nick Abadzis and penciled by Steven Sanders. Uh, Dot, 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 and you'll miss it, which is a Blink versus X-Men and Doctor Strange story written by Chris Yost and uh, penciled by Dalibor Talajik. We got Queen King Offsuit by Catherine and Stuart Eminen, which is a Gambit and Hellcat date. Uh, Disco Highway, which is Dazzler and the Daughters of the Dragon versus Game Master, which is written by Jed McKay and penciled by Sheldon Vella. And Unforgettable, which is a Cyclo- uh, sorry, a Psylocke versus Hercules story written by James Asmus and penciled by Eric Coda and Miguel uh, Munera. Whew, okay. That is a lot of stuff. <laughs> Please. So... Because this is an anthology with many stories, we're not going to talk about all of them because I don't hate myself or you, my dear listeners. <laughs> but I do I do want to go around the table. Uh, favorite story from this? Trent, let's start with you. Uh, X-Dudes, which kind of kicks off the book, is a definite favorite for me. I didn't realize how much I liked the bromance of Rockslide and Anole, but it is extremely charming. Uh, outside of that, I I was just kind of amazed at how many sort of minor characters got kind of good character highlights throughout the book. I mean, I got to agree. I think the, the highlight is uh, Creature Comforts, which is the Rock Slide Analy story. Definitely. Well, no, mind- that's, that's Emma. That's Emma oh, I'm sorry. and Mandrill. I, I'm, I'm getting X dudes, yes. X dudes. Um, my apologies. I'm, I'm looking at the list. I'm getting myself screwed up here. Um, so I think X dudes is the highlight, if only because it does give a sort of Marvel Comics presents spotlight onto mm-hmm. uh, these two, you know, pretty minor characters that have gotten the, you know, a little bit of uh, a chance to shine here in a very stereotypical. There's a woman in an alley and robbers need to get stopped uh, scenario, but then it gets dialed up with some supervillains and it's a lot of fun. I I love it. They're wearing fake mustaches. Um, It's great. Other than that, um, I just think generally it's really interesting to see how many different creators are in here that have gone on to work with X-Men after this. It's really interesting to see. Especially on the art side. Yeah, it's interesting to see early Pepe Larraz here and the Cypher story. It's really interesting to see um, the Eminens team up on a couple of these things or write them. Um, and then I think it's also interesting to see, 
you know, Guggenheim already fascinated oh, yeah. with, uh, Storm. with Stormbringer. Mm. Um, so, you know, you can kind of see hints of things to come uh, based on who's in here. It's interesting. Yeah, that that Guggenheim Storm story is a direct lead into his X-Men gold stuff that wouldn't come for eight more years. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. Well, Zach, what are your favorites? We, I don't okay. think we got to you. I think X dudes is very good, but my absolute favorite is Disco Highway because no. that that <laughs> is that is Dazzler and Misty Knight and Colleen Wing doing roller derby. Yeah, against just some ridiculous stuff, and then the game master starts calling himself the Chad Master, which <laughs> is very dumb, and I don't get it. But the art's very pretty, and it's imaginative, and it's just it's exploding with life. So yeah. I like that story. I was blown away at that art style, actually. It it comes after a lot of House Marvel. So mm -hmm. you, you kind of get used to the visual feel of the book, and then it just hits you in the face, and there's so much uh, color, and the, the style almost feels like um, heavy metal, almost. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's what's fun about these books, is that there is an element of let's just let some creative teams experiment and have some fun. Um, I felt similarly about the uh, the very weird Cy Spurrier X-23 Ghost Rider team up where Ghost Rider, you know, has I don't know what's going on with Ghost Rider at this time period because he has an inexplicable accent that I can't really understand. Um, but it's cool to see someone like David LaFuente go and use his style on those characters for those pages. You know, it, it's interesting that there's not a huge platform like this for people to try out their styles. And uh, mm -hmm. I thought this was a cool idea, you know, that it would be interesting to, to publish something like this periodically to see who's out there um, and let them test out their skills for like 10 pages at a clip. Well, and it, I think this is something that I'd love to see more of, but in their defense, this is something that Marvel is doing still. It's just normally they are tied to events. So, you know, you'll have a, like a tie-in book to Secret Wars mm -hmm. or a tie-in book to uh, Civil War II, where it is maybe one big through line with a couple of uh, vignettes tied into it, a couple of short stories. And I think that can work well. I know that's like uh, the first thing that got, uh, well, beyond Dinosaur Comics, but the first thing that got Ryan North onto my radar as a traditional comic book writer and the first thing that got fan favorite Ramon Villalobos on my radar was a story that they did in the Original Sin anthology, which I think was just called Original Sins. Mm -hmm. And they did a Young Avengers story, those two, and it was very choice. So I think this can be a, you know, a talent developing thing. But I also understand from a sales side, it's a hard sell to say, hey, here's this book. It's got uh, Annaline Rockslide and they're your main feature. <laughs> um, well, I do love that this exists. I, I It reminds me a little bit of you know, some of those classic X-Men vignettes where you get these little side stories, but it's, it's much more experimental than that. So Trent, I totally understand. Like you picked this up in a bargain bin, you took it home and it's kind of a wealth of fun stuff. I'm assuming that was your takeaway. Yeah. For the most part, I, I feel like anthologies always kind of have a dip and a peak, right? And there, mm -hmm. there's a handful of stories in here that kind of fit the characters perfectly, and they're characters that we don't 
often see in the spotlight. So the venue really works for them. But at the same time, there's a few stories that, I mean, I'm glad I got it in a bargain bin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, to that point, is there anything that didn't resonate with you? If there was one story that kind of didn't fit what you liked? Oh, I know which one didn't work for me. But, I want to uh, hear yours first, Adam. I want to hear yours first. Um, I mean, I think the dullest one to me was uh, Colossus and Iron Man um, digging a giant booger out of the ground and throwing it away. <laughs> I don't know. That that just didn't do a lot for me. How about you, Zach? <laughs> yeah, that one was bad. The one that I think sticks out to me as the worst is the Brian Reed and Pepe Larez cipher story. Yeah. Because... Personally, I hate that in this era, they brought Cypher back, which is fine. He's allowed to come back. But then they tried to give him all these powers that were more based on wordplay than they were how language actually works. Mm. And it just, he's too serious in this. And it's just, it doesn't work. It's a dull, dull spot for me. That's, that's one I don't love. How about you, Trent? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I did see you kind of yelling on Twitter about uh, how binary doesn't work that way and you can't just <laughs> yell code at a bomb to stop it from going. Well, um, not just that. You can't just <laughs> yell the binary equivalent of the words stop. No. <laughs> it's That's amazing. not how it works. It's amazing. Uh, I actually found that story charming because of how dumb the idea was. Uh, I definitely agree. Like, seeing him still kind of going with that you know your body language is a dead language seriousness doesn't really work for his character um but i would say the worst story for me is hercules and cyclops why do i keep saying cyclops but psylocke (laughs) that's a good Um, runner-up for me it's just i'm i'm not surprised it's it's bad (laughs) it's it's exactly what i would assume it would be yeah it just seems very out of character for Psylocke to, uh, you know, have randomly hooked up with Hercules. Like, it, it doesn't seem in character for her. Um, so it's it's a weird story. Like, you could probably put other characters with Hercules and maybe make something like that work. But it doesn't work with Psylocke. Um, am I reading the character right? I mean. Well, I, I feel like it, it after, was weird. after dealing with. It didn't uh, read true to me. I, I totally agree. What about uh, her relationship with Warren? I, I feel like that would push me into the arms of a Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could see that. I just, it, it, I don't know. She just doesn't seem like herself. Um, so and it, it's just an awkward thing. Um, it's a strange story. So some of these hit, some of them don't. I think it's a really fun thing that everybody should probably check out if they are interested in seeing some different creative teams or even some early current creators um, on these characters. It's it's definitely worth checking out. It sure is. Now, we have 153 other X-Men stories that we have talked out. So where does this fall in comparison to them? The top story on our list right now is Days of Future Past, and the bottom story on our list is the Draco, because it knows (laughs) what it did. We don't have any other anthology. Oh, we do have one that's sort of an anthology. Is this better or worse than Pizza Hut X-Men? Wow. I feel like we just keep beating up on Pizza Hut X-Men. I don't think this is as good as Pizza Hut (laughs) X-Men. I don't Um, either. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, I, I think I was looking a, a little bit lower than that. Um, we do have some, what, what's the Anole story that we did uh, earlier that was an amazing X-Men um, that was oh, just about yeah, uh, him? Amazing that X-Men was... 13 Charm School, which is at 106 right now. Yeah, I I I feel like that's an interesting comparison. Um and we re- you're right though, we don't have a lot of you know, anthology stuff on here except we did Marvel Comics Presents for Blood Hungry, but that was just one story. Right. So Here's what I'd say on that cuz that's at 106 right now, the Charm School story. Yeah. At 101 is Glob Loves Man Kills from Old Man Logan. Yeah. And I think Glob Loves Man Kills I like as a whole better me too trent have you read that one uh yeah i i guess i would agree these are the hard decisions we have to make is it better than wolverine cocaine oh geez i feel like i keep coming to that that story's defense (laughs) um all right so wolverine cocaine is absolutely batty and there's some things in here that are absolutely batty too so this is probably a good place on the list because i think this is better than x-factor happenings in vegas yeah, I agree. The Vegas arc, this is better than that. Um, I think it's better than A Day Like Any Other, too, which is, you know, another little short vignette story. So that's a, that's similar to this. And it is, I think it's a little more coherent than than Wolverine Cocaine. Um, how would you stack it up against X-Men Origins Jean Grey? I think X-Men Origins Jean Grey is better, personally. Okay, all right, all right. So this is our new 103. This is, this will be our new 103 X-Men to protect and serve. Nice. Good pick, Trent. Thanks. Did much better than I thought it would. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's the problem, though. Uh, You know how sometimes if we have a longer uh, story, we try and back it up with less complicated things to even out the timeline, Adam? Right, right. And I don't I don't think we, we went that way. <laughs> what did we do? We picked two one shots to go with this, and they are both still very complicated in terms <laughs> of our normal format. Um, well, I I love the stuff that we picked here um because it, it fits with kind of the zany short story stuff that uh, Trent is bringing to the table. So <laughs> the next thing that we have here on the show is a one shot. Um that I don't think is on unlimited, unfortunately, which is the Generation X Underground Special, which is illustrated entirely by Jim Mafood um, and is done kind of as a black and white zine, despite the cover being published in color. Yeah, this is this is interesting. Now, I think this has an interesting connection to everyone here because, Adam, you were earlier today or yesterday making zines yourself. I was. Yep, it's true. And Trent, you uh, contributed to uh, the Xavier Files zine that went out earlier this year. So all of us, all of us have been familiar with making X-Men zines. And this is just an X-Men zine. Yeah, it, it almost makes me mad that this got published at full comic book size, because I, I wonder if there are editions of this that did get published at, at uh, half size, Kinkos? because... Oh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, because that's, <laughs> I, yeah, no, it feels like that. Um, it definitely has that kind of a feel to it. Um, you know, I I come from 
you know, the art school background of everyone making zines and everybody, you know, passing them to one another. And this, this really embodies that style and that spirit um, with bold black and white graphics throughout it. And it, it's, it's done really well. It only has a couple of stories in it and it's also very indicative of its time. Yeah. Yeah. Now <laughs> let's, let's start with this Trent. What's your generation X background? It's limited. I think I've only read the first 26 issues of Generation X. But that's pretty good. I, yeah, I mean, that's like all the Batalo stuff. <laughs> I really like Generation X. In fact, I have like a chromium of the uh, first issue. So uh, yep. there's just something kind of amazing about that team. And of course, uh, I really enjoy Christina Strain's uh, recent Generation X run as well. So yes. um, I was really excited that this was on our list today. And I also had no idea what it was. <laughs> and I couldn't find <laughs> it anywhere. <laughs> So what were your what were your thoughts? Because I had read this before, Adam. I don't know if you had experienced this previously. Um, I have my main familiarity with Jim is Tank Girl, um, mm -hmm. and I have seen this in boxes, you know, and, and sort of digging for back issues every once in a while. But this is the first time I've actually read it, and it was I, there was something really delightful about it. Um, it felt nostalgic, even though. You know, I it I'd never read it in the past. Had you read it before? I had, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. It once I found out that this existed, it was I'm a connoisseur of weird X-Men things. Yeah. Which is why we have several comics on this list that were not sold in stores. <laughs> uh so I had to have this and I had to read it as soon as I found out. But Trent, I I'm curious from you, not coming in with a huge amount of this background what your thoughts were on this issue well to echo adam's earlier point it definitely feels 90s in a whole bunch of different respects uh but it is really charming actually it's a love letter to generation x and these characters it does my favorite thing that an x-book can do which is kind of the slice of life piece in between the fighting um, mm -hmm. so to see characters interacting with each other that normally you wouldn't see and, uh, to have the perspectives feel so true to those characters, like the voices are here, even if the visuals aren't in the format you're used to, uh, I'd say it is a success. And, um, I, I really liked how it transitioned from, uh, actual stories to Jubilee's scrapbook and then a parody of Charlie's Angels. And yeah, wait, hold on. before we go on, we do need to talk about the elephant in the room. That is that Charlie's Angels parody. <laughs> what is going on with this thing about a guy trying to use mutants to build pimp robots? Is that, robots. is that his master plan? Well, um... <laughs> I I was on board, and then out of nowhere came like a black exploitation bishop. Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it just in the it... right hands, in the right hands, that could be a good concept. I'm not sure that Jim's the right guy to do that. Right. The the ad well, I say the animation because it's so animated, but the the visuals are so stylistic and fantastic, and it almost doesn't feel like it's in a zine, even though the rest of this really feels like a zine. I think that's one of the weirdest parts about that. Um, this came out 
in 97. Am I getting that right? Or 98? I think it was 98. Um, And when I was reading this, I was like, oh, Mahfoud is like, he's doing his take because the, um, the Cameron Diaz, Charlie's Angels movie must have come out, but that doesn't come out till 2000. So Mm -hmm. he's, he's really playing up this, like, you know, this, nostalgia for an era with the black exploitation stuff with the the charlie's angels as banshees angels it's weird and it's it's also strange because the first story is monet and skin battling it out on space invaders with a uh, original atari and then the the third story is a real quiet thing about chamber just walking around the city being the so, most emo <laughs> goth boy yeah being a sad boy yeah yeah <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's like Trent said, those are those interesting between adventure stories. And then there's this weird, it, it also reminded me of one of the stories we just mentioned, which is the, the roller derby story. Um, yes. you know, like really out of control, weird fantasy stuff that uh, is very animated and strange. Um, this is definitely worth checking out. Yeah. It's, it's weird in all the right ways. There's some stuff that, I imagine could be read wrong or come across poorly, especially in the Charlie's angels bit. Mm-hmm. But I think the fact that it is elevated to such a high cartooning level kind of makes it so that it's any issues that might come from it are coming out of not from a place of malice, just from a lack of thought. And I think that's, that's better. Yeah. I, I think that it, I mean, I don't know how old Mahfoud is when he's making this, but it it feels like maybe a college kid is making this. Um, There's a lot of really fun little Easter egg things Um, in the background of one of the panels in the first uh, story. There's Jubilee's comic book collection. Um, There's a Chibomato uh, ticket on Jubilee's scrapbook. There's all these little tiny background things that are thrown in throughout this whole story that are really fun. and they age it to a certain extent too, um, and, and put it in that late nineties place. But I think that's part of the charm of this story. Yeah, absolutely. It comes with free bootleg trading cards. Oh, right. Right. We get a bootleg t-shirt design, bootleg trading card designs and instructions on how to cut them out. And even a, a quick one page backup story of gen X versus the beat generation, which is a really funny little thing. Um, at the end of the book, you mean the thing that's also a hostess, uh, hostess ad? Oh, right, right, right. Because it is, it is labeled as a uh, an advertisement. Um, because they they quell the out of time William S. Burroughs and and Kerouac with uh, Twinkies, right? Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> so it's weird. Good. It's good. This is this is a fun little story. Uh, how do we compare this to anything else that happens in X Men? <laughs> I think an interesting comparison point is um, number 79, Astonishing Tales Mojo World. Um, it's similarly like an absolutely bizarre sort of alternate take on our characters, um, weird art style. It's It seems like it's out of continuity, even though it does have some continuity to it. Um, I think that might be an interesting comparison point. Where, where are you looking? Trent, have you read the Mojo World story from Astonishing Tales? Okay, dang it. I was really hoping someone could help me out here. Uh, (laughs) That's a weird one. It's very strange. Adam, I think 
you know, circle gets the square. It's <laughs> this probably isn't better than the first time that they fight Dracula. And hmm. it's probably better than the time that mode or that uh warlock became Godzilla. I'm okay think, with that. I think this is slightly better than Mojo World. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that it is such a strong, singular, artistic vision. Mm -hmm. Like, everything is coming from one brain. It's the same kind of stuff that makes experiments like X-Men Grand Design work. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not perfect, it's like, it's a blast. It's worth yeah. checking out. Absolutely. Um, and I think that goes back to what I was saying about the uh, protect and serve. It's fun to see creators get a chance to adapt these characters and do them in their own style in a way that doesn't feel like House Marvel. So what are we saying? This is our new 79? This will be our new number 79, the Generation X Underground Special. Yeah, feel so underground. We got one more story on this list, and by one more, I do in fact mean two. Yeah, so what's this one, Zach? This is Avengers plus X-Men, A plus X, number five, which is two stories of two team-ups of two Avengers characters and two X-Men-ish characters. On one side, written by Catherine Eminen and David LaFontaine, you get uh, Dupe, you know, the, the, the thick green booger who gets laid a lot with uh iron fist mm -hmm. and then on the other side with kieran gillen and joe bennett you get kid loki and mr sinister Ooh, kieran gillen writing sinister bots. yeah we know zach likes that mm. i do i also like him writing loki have you read that journey into mystery it's very good oh i've never read that i didn't know oh, that was dude. him check okay. it out Hold on, Trent, have you read that Journey into Mystery? Because I know you're in that Utopia era right now, so this is about <laughs> to become relevant. Uh, I don't think I have. Okay, so here's what you need to do. You need to go in, read the uh, Zeb Wells and then the DNA New Mutants book that goes around about this time. Read that because, one, it's a fun little book that has some really good stuff with Magic Legion. Two... It's got some X-Man content, which I think the world is craving as we enter this glorious age of X-Man. <laughs> and then three, there's a crossover with Gillen's Journey into Mystery with Kid Loki, where the new mutants go to hell, like single L hell. And also Warlock gets a pet hellhound. Ooh, ooh, I got to check that out. That's great. It's very nice. He's not allowed to, he's not allowed to have dogs in their, uh, in their townhouse, but... <laughs> what does he refer to all right so this is interesting because we just saw eminent and la fuente paired with different people on um the first protect and serve here they are teaming up with iron uh iron fist and dupe what do we think of this story guys i at first was really confused by the team up uh I, never in a million years would i think uh iron fist and dupe uh would be a great combination uh, but surprisingly enough, I found it to be kind of a weird buddy cop, enjoyable thing. <laughs> yeah, La Fuente does a pretty amazing dupe. I, I think he does a great job with it, especially when he swallows Iron Fist and, and goes into weird world inside of him, right? Well, Zach, what did you think of this? Lowercase w, weird yes, world. Yes, I'm sorry, this... not not the capital <laughs> world, weird world. My mistake. It's good to be precise about these it kinds is. of things, Adam. It is. 
Uh, no, I think I think this first story is interesting. I think it's a little it's chaotic by design. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes a little difficult to follow, which is part of the uh, part of the problem with it. Uh, but I mean, Dupe is a character that I have a lot of affection from, and somebody's icon in this chat where we're recording is Dupe. So I imagine that I am not alone in that affection. <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely adore Dupe. <laughs> I think this story has a lot of fun kinetic energy to it it just i think it's trying to do a lot in 10 pages and i'm not sure it's 100 percent successful at that yeah, yeah I, I mean i like it i think it's fun it's silly the art is very dynamic i think some of the jokes land pretty well um and that's that's what it is it, it's silly um you know I, I don't think it's it's designed to be anything much deeper um whereas the other story the sinister and loki gets to be a nice character showcase for uh for mr sinister as he tries to steal from dr doom and is interrupted by kid loki um this is fun yeah uh karen gillen writes my favorite loki actually karen gillen writes my favorite mr sinister too I was so gonna say, <laughs> yeah that makes sense um I mean, he's he's a very good sinister here mm-hmm he uses clones, Cyclops eyeballs as gun bullets. As yeah. Ammo, I think is the teens call it these days. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a really great little detail. Um, and I like stuff like that. Um, we had talked about, what was the other, the Gillen story that we talked about where sinister makes his own town of sinisters. Oh, everything um, is sinister. That, that Really, this reminded me of that a lot um, because, you know, it's Gillen's take on the character. And I, I love the way he writes him. Um, he does. He has such a great handle of the character. Yeah. Trent, what do you think about this particular 10 pager in the back of A plus X? Well, Mr. Sinister is actually my favorite X-Men villain. And nice. uh, that's a good choice. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm still a little bit miffed that he doesn't have his own X-Men Black series, but I'm I'm getting through the day. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really appreciate the fact that this uh, sequence kicks off with him writing a note to himself. Uh, it's a very sinister approach where, it, first of all, you're acknowledging that sinister is a system. And second of all, you're acknowledging how much Sinister loves himself. And throughout this sequence, it really harkens back to that moment. Um, he, he's almost boastful in the way that he interacts with Loki. Uh, and he's clearly miffed by the suggestion that there are uh, smarter scientists than him. I don't know. It just, <laughs> it just feels like the character is really nailed. And uh, as much as I really like the use of Cyclops's uh, modified eyeball clones, uh, I also really like the fact that he used uh, Allison Blair's powers to silence Loki when really that's the only uh, ability that Loki has. Yeah, those little touches are, are pretty fantastic. Now, Gillen writes such a good sinister. Like he just, he gets him in a deep, deep way that makes it frustrating when I see anyone else touch the character anymore. Like, I've not enjoyed a sinister. Nope. I've enjoyed a single sinister story since then. And it was from secret warriors by my board, Matty Rose. Yeah. It's interesting how he's been used kind of periodically in things like, um, uh, he was just most recently in, in one of the Wolverine books. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and it, 
you're right. It, it seems like he's kind of haphazardly thrown around instead of being this amazing uh, supervillain for the X-Men, which is where he should be. Right. I, I mean, I think the last uh, thing we saw him in before that was in the post-Secret Wars era, where he's kind of infusing mutants and inhumans together um, for no discernible reason. Um, it just kind of seemed weird to see him. So it's nice to see him in a story where he has kind of a clear purpose and it kind of works with his character. Yeah, that's definitely the highlight. Now, we have that Gillen uh storyline i think all the way up at number 36 this isn't as good as that no no it's it's complimentary in terms of the the character but we also have you know a fun but admittedly i think a little bit of a throwaway with the iron fist and the dupe story so um where where do you think this goes on the list i think this is probably better than i actually don't know trent how do you feel about it compared to protect and serve um well, it's it's hard because you're kind of comparing the sheer volume of content. And uh, I would say some of the stories in Protect and Serve I found more enjoyable to read than like the the dupe issue with uh, Iron Fist, mm-hmm. which which hurts to say because I love dupe. But um, I don't know if you guys translated the dupe bubbles or if, if, if you have the personal philosophy of just going off of what the other characters are saying and trying to comprehend dupe. <laughs> I, I have never translated dupe, even though I feel compelled to occasionally, especially okay. after the uh, Domino annual recently. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted I've, to know what he was I've saying in that panel. I've done it, but then I kind of accepted that I only have so much free time in the world. <laughs> and I'm going to wait for others and then just giggle at the things that writers make dupe say. Okay, so my personal philosophy is that uh, your dupe is only as good as your actual dupe dialogue. And when you uh, translate even the stuff that was recently used by uh, Ed Brisson in his cable, mm-hmm. um, that was really funny dupe. And he's he's saying things that really make sense for his character in uh, he has a secret life kind of way, but it's also kind of lewd. Whereas this he's just kind of describing the sequences he's in and you don't have to read his dialogue as translated. You can just read it as random squiggly lines and you're not missing anything. So I see it as kind of a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. No deeper level. (laughs) Okay. 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 I think everyone can appreciate that this is a podcast where we're getting upset about the made-up fictional language that Marvel has never actually published to encourage its people to translate and judging stories based on the quality of this fake language that you aren't technically supposed to know how to read. I think that is beautiful. Yeah, and it's a <laughs> green potato, so... Yes, he's so good. That's X-Men, right? <laughs> There's a reason we did a dupe story in our first episode. Yeah, but the the dupe story is at 20, and this is leagues away from that. Um, Yes. I would see this as being above 100. Yeah, because number 100 is that time where uh, Sauron didn't want to cure cancer. He wanted to turn people into dinosaurs. I I don't think this is better than that. I also don't think this is better than Brood Trouble and the Big Easy um which is i don't know that holds a special place in our hearts our 90s hearts um but i think we're in a good place on the list because once we start getting into like 
below 110, we start getting into these stories that don't really resonate very much. Mm. Um, this is better than the time that Chamber fought Omega Red in Generation X. I was going to say, that's a, that is a good comparison right there. Um, is it better than Final Sanction? I'm not a huge fan of Phalanx Covenant. <laughs> yeah, yep, Phalanx Covenant. Or, or Final Sanction, for that matter. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does have that very charming sinister in it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, this certainly isn't essential. What about Charm School? I think the Jeff Parker Exiles is better than that. Okay. So I think this does not go above number... It's either number 10 or it's number 11. It's above or below Final Sanction. Hmm. Well, you you had spoken highly of Final Sanction after um, Chris's on Infinite Earths had covered it recently. So uh, I'll leave it up to you. Below or above? I think this. I think. I, th- I think this goes below final sanction. All right, there you go. So it's our new one eleven. I don't even dislike this story. It's just here's the problem with anthologies: by their very nature and by the way they are marketed, they are almost universally ignorable, and mm-hmm. that's the problem with this. I really do think. Like, what anthology stories in Marvel history have mattered? Weapon X and classic x-men vignettes even those like one of those matters and that's the one about magneto (laughs) there's a few of them we could make an argument for that but um you're right like they they usually don't have the sticking power however i think it has been delightful digging through all of these little stories uh so trent thank you so much for recommending protect and serve so that we could we could do this it's been wonderful yeah, I had no idea what to anticipate when I recommended this to Zach, but I've read a lot of weird stuff for this podcast. <laughs> That's what we're going for. Read lots of weird stuff. Now, Trent, I know you write. I know you do some other stuff. Uh, what do you got going on and where can people find you if they like what they've heard? Uh, well, I do happen to write a lot about X-Men because I care a lot about X-Men. Uh, and I'm currently about to release, uh, which should be available by the time this airs, uh, a feature on Age of Apocalypse and its publishing history. And you can Ooh, find nice. it. Yeah. So cool. uh, it's really interesting uh, speaking to some people about it. It's really interesting uh, just seeing how the sales changed within the 90s for Marvel and kind of the poor decisions the publisher made leading up to the event and the bankruptcy immediately after the event Hmm. so it'll be really interesting to touch on and you can find that in all my other written work at continuitynod.com so c-o and how do you spell continuity Continuity (laughs) continuitynod.com it's your website (laughs) you know your url i do i do i'm sure they'll be able to figure it out We'll put it we'll put it in the as mentioned in the links. Just like swoopity swipe on over to the episode notes and you can hit that big old button to get there. Now that's awesome. That's awesome. Now uh Adam, where can people find you online? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Got new pages of Bish and Jube's Attack on the Mansion at AdamRecTumblr.com. Uh as we're recording this, I did just put copies of um age of strife back on sale at the big cartel store so if you wanted a copy of that um you can go and order one of those and at some point in october i think that project that i've been working on with retcon x is coming out don't quote me on that um but it should be out at some point 
the you know october november um adam adam yes this this podcast goes out to everybody you're quoting you on that this is on the record (laughs) (laughs) i just don't know it's in retcon x's hands so uh it'll it'll get out there when it gets out there zach where can the people find you uh, if you want to find me, you can just mosey on over to XavierFiles.com. That's where I have all the latest in X-Men news and some articles and this podcast. Uh, and it, when I feel like writing stuff, that's where it can show up. You can also feel all of my pain of whatever I'm reading and all of my musings on Twitter.com at XavierFiles. And if you want to support the show, like our good buddy Trent here did, you can go on over to patreon.com slash Xavier files. You can toss in money. We've been revamping how things work. So say, say uh, $2 is too, uh, it's too steep for you, or you don't really have a story you want us to talk about. Well, then you can subscribe at the $1 a month level and you can be part of the Boda book club, the battle of the Adam book club, where we give you a heads up on what we're reading for next week. Let you catch up to talk about the stories with us. I mean, we won't respond because podcasts are really a one-way medium, but <laughs> you can feel like you're part of it. It's There's a picture of a guy eating ice cream in front of a poster of other people eating ice cream, and he's laughing jovially with them. And that's kind of what a podcast experience in the Boda Book Club could be for you. <laughs> you're really selling it, Zach. <laughs> You, you could have but, just left it at it's a book club. <laughs> could please I read could. book. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, I keep talking far longer than I should in most any situation. Uh, but you can also subscribe at the higher levels, at the two dollar a month level. You get an entire episode handcrafted around a selection of your choice, like protect and serve. Which boy is that a selection? We've got a lot of stuff coming. I know right now we are actually booked up through into January of 2019. And that's only with one guest. <laughs> so like these are all these are all primo primo spots. So get in there and then we'll get the story around you. Uh but I think that does it. Trent, once again, thank you so much for being here. It was a total blast. Thank you both for having me. Now, next week on battle of the atom you can uh you can get ready because we got some spooks we got some scares because it's halloween guys (laughs) oh but until then until then this has been battle of the atom and we hope you survived the experience get it